You are listening to WRUULP, Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM. We are Savannah Soundings, community radio with a global soul. Um, our theme music is a clip of Summer Nights by the Eric Jones Trio. It's provided by our friend Mark Chesanel, who plays with the Eric Jones Trio every Thursday and Sunday at Good Times Jazz Bar downtown. Hey everyone, welcome to Arts on the Air. This is Tamara Garvey, and I have the pleasure of sitting down with photographer Nathaniel Thompson today. Welcome. Thank you. Thank so you glad for having me. Of course. So glad to have you. Thank you for having me in your lovely studio. Um, so I'm going to read a little bit from Nathaniel's website. It says, um, Thompson is a multidisciplinary artist who specializes in photography, primarily using vintage analog devices. And then it says that you find your inspiration through your current geographical location, road trips, and historical reenactments. So I just wanted to start off. It says on your site that you were born in Thailand. Um, how and when did you arrive in Savannah? Um, so I was, my parents were missionaries, and we moved from Chiang Mai, Thailand, uh, when I was really young, about one or two years old. And then I lived um, in Alabama and Georgia for the rest of my life, growing up mainly in uh, St. Simons. Oh, okay. So you, you went to high school in St. Simons? Yeah, it uh, Academy. Okay. And then what brought you to Savannah? Um, I moved to Savannah maybe four, five years ago, and it was just kind of, I hadn't been to Savannah a lot. When I grew up, I usually went down to Jacksonville because it seemed closer. Okay. Um, For your friends to do fun things, you go to Jacksonville? Yeah. Yeah. But um, Savannah was only half an hour more, so I started hanging out around here, and then I started looking at all the buildings and like just fell in love with the city yeah um did you kind of start what when did you discover that you were into photography and taking photos of kind of abandoned southern quirky nostalgic things um the southern element came later i i my father and both my grandparents were photographers too or they still are um, and I started shooting really early on. Mm. Um, I think I got my first camera in 2003. How old were you then? Um, I think six. Okay. <laughs> so really, really young. What kind of camera was that? It was a digital Kodak point and shoot. Okay. Um, but then as I just, I always had a camera with me and I was always taking photos and participating in the school photo contests and that sort of thing. You were kind of like the one at school off to the side. You were yeah. documenting things. I was always the photographer. What what kind of photography did your dad do? Um, he, I know he did portraiture in the beginning, but then he started doing ad work. Now he's a graphic designer. Oh, okay, cool. Um, so like more ad driven but was he doing film photography maybe, back, maybe back before when you were does. born yeah. yeah like would you guys have a dark room at your house or anything or no he he would have done it at, um he went to portfolio center in atlanta oh okay so it was with the school and then so when kind of digital cameras came out and that's what he bought you when you were six years old he was kind of he was like transitioning into that new technology too he was doing that yeah would you guys kind of go out together and do shoots Sometimes I think yeah it, it's it's hard to remember that, but I um I know that he helped me with 
getting ready for the contest. So I, I know I learned a lot about composition and shooting and like just taking good photos that way. What kind of contests? Uh, it was reflections. So it was, I think it was the PTA run um, art contest. Okay. Uh, so it was school or county wide and then statewide and nationwide. And you could have all the different like, photography and visual art and writing. And um, I would just enter each contest because there was no cap. <laughs> so I would enter all of them and usually win a you lot would? of them. You would? What, for the county? For, like, what would you win? For school, state, and then... You would? Counties where I stopped. Okay. I never made it to national. What were your photos like then that you were entering in high school? Um, not, not what I'm taking now. Uh, more, more people and street photography-centric. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was also all on digital. So I don't, I think I started coming into my element and understanding what I'm shooting now when I moved to uh, shoot on film. So back then when you were doing digital and then entering any contests, were you getting them printed out at like a, like when people used to go to CVS or something and get things printed out, how, what was the technology like then? Yeah, I, um, I do remember going to, yeah, to the CVS and then putting in the card and then getting a big packet of four by sixes. Yeah, I remember that, that little SD card, is that right? Yeah. When you're entering those photos. Cool. So were you thinking at that time, were you like already imagining in high school that that was what you wanted to continue doing as your oh, yeah. job as you, when you quote, grew up? Definitely. Yeah. I've, um, I've always enjoyed photography and I've really cared about it a lot and it's always been what I've wanted to do. There hasn't really been a question about it. Yeah. I mean, that's interesting to have, I feel like very few people have where one or either their parents are doing something artistic for their career. So it actually seems possible. Yeah. No, they, they've always been very, both my parents are artistic and they've both been very supportive. That's cool. So you arrived to Savannah just on your own. You just moved here. It wasn't for SCAD, right? No. Yeah. I, I haven't gone to college yet. Um, I, that's still, plans in the future. So when you got here, did you know anyone? I, I did have some friends who uh, had gone to SCAD okay. and they lived here. Um, yeah, I would think from St. Simon's, I guess a good amount of people would come here, right? Yeah, so I had a few friends who moved because um, we, we all went to high school together. So mm-hmm. I knew them, but that was about it. Where did you live when you first got here? Um, I was commuting a lot. It was more transient. I was going between Savannah and St. Simons until I um, moved in with my uh, partner and roommate, uh, I think like three or four blocks from here. Okay. And we're on the east side of Savannah. Yeah. Yeah. What's your connection to Brunswick? I used to really dislike it growing up, but I think we all kind of don't like where we grew up at the time. But I had spent a good time away from Brunswick, kind of road tripping around the United States and when I came back I started to appreciate it more and just like see it more for the history and the people who lived there rather than just the the stinky city that I grew up in. Okay so tell me about this road trip what was that how yeah so I I had gone to Georgia State in 2016 and then that really wasn't working for me. I was going for a film, like cinema, okay. and that 
is not at all what I want to be doing, which I realized. Did it feel too commercial? I, it felt like I was too far away from the end product. Like I was just, I really enjoy what I'm working on and I want to have a lot of input and direction on it. And it okay. just felt like I would be working on someone else's project. Yeah, just too many people who are involved in the final. Yeah. So I, I spent some time away from school and then I decided that I would just see the rest of the U.S. just because I hadn't, um, and I, I had my own car and I had gotten my first film camera that same year. And then I just went and drove, um, starting in Ohio. And then I just made my way across the Eastern seaboard all the way back to Brunswick. Did you went by yourself? Mm-hmm. How, how did you end up starting in Ohio? Um, I had a ex who moved up there who needed all their stuff moved. Okay. So I, I U-hauled it up there and pulled my car behind me. Cool. And then so you planned, you were like, and then I'm going to take off across the country? Yeah. All right. So it was just you and your film camera. Mm-hmm. Where would you sleep at night? In, my, in the back of my car. Oh, just on the side of the road? Uh, sometimes at Walmart, sometimes at a gas station. Huh. Yeah, there wasn't really any planning. It was just... Uh, <laughs> waking up and figuring out where to go next. Were you going to cities or small town? Like, what were you? A bit of both. Yeah. Um, I know I went to Rochester, New York, and I stopped over at the Niagara Falls. Okay. And then I went through New York and went to Philadelphia and Baltimore and just kind of all the places I'd been hearing about but I've never actually seen. That seems, I mean, very intimidating for you. You grew up just on this island, and then you just take off on your own driving, and you're going through New York and Philadelphia and everything. Yeah, I think I was stir-crazy, so it it didn't feel intimidating at the time. Really? So did you did you park in New York and spend some time walking around there, or what was that like? Oh, I just drove straight through it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to, but it, that seemed a little too daunting. It was too much, yeah. I mean, the fact that you drove through New York is, that's pretty brave. Yeah, I, I got to, I got to see the buildings and just kind of skip over, and I think I ended up, um, I think it was in Pennsylvania after that. Okay. Yeah, it, it was, it was a tough trip, um, but I, I'd see a lot of my inspiration came from it, too, because I also got to see all these different buildings and architecture and just different ways people lived that I wasn't used to and I got to just start noticing also the similarities I guess like different things that people kind of put in their front yard or Mm. people like how they choose to present their homes what are some things that you thought were similar mailbox art which I think is a pretty funny one. There, There's a lot of people who will have a very, you know, relatively normal quote-unquote house, but then they just have the craziest mailbox. Huh. And cats and fish and flamingos, and that's all over the U.S. Ah, I like that. So when you were driving, would you just, like, you're driving, and if you see something interesting, you just would pull over and... St- do some shooting or what, what were your days yeah. like on the road? It was mainly that sometimes there was a few places I'd picked out like art museums I wanted to see, but mainly it was just driving and 
stopping when I wanted to and having no plan or itinerary really gave me a lot of that freedom just to kind of go wherever my eye took me. Yeah. What was, how many days total did you do that for? Or weeks? Oh, I don't know. I think I started late summer and ended sometime after Thanksgiving. Wow. Did you, were you literally sleeping in your car every single night or did you ever get a motel? I, I'd stayed with, um, relatives for a couple nights in, um, Baltimore. And that was great because that was, um, I got to have a shower. Yeah. That was the, probably the best shower I ever had. (laughs) That's a really long time to just be by yourself driving. Yeah. So, So I'm sorry. So tell me again. So you started in Ohio and you, you were on the East coast, you were in New York and then how far West did you go? I didn't go west at all. Okay. I still have yet to go west. Okay, got it. So you kind of went up to Niagara Falls and then, like, back down yeah. through... and just kind of meandered. Okay. What was kind of, like, a like a surprising, like a, like, a really pleasant surprise anywhere that you saw? When I was outside of Niagara Falls, I was camping out at the gas station, and I woke up that morning and I couldn't see out of my windows and it turned out that there was a surprise um, snow flurry during the night so everything was blanketed in snow and I had never driven in snow before so it was a whole bunch of just like figuring out (laughs) what to do where to go next Um, but then I ended up going to this big park that was down the street to walk around and take photos and this woman with two giant huskies just came out of nowhere and we started talking and it turns out that she had just moved from St. Simons over there so that was a really cool connection to kind of see that someone was from where I was from and I I feel like that kind of let me know it was time to head back oh yeah that's cool so did you spend a lot of time driving around in the South? Is that where you started on your current uh, track of doing a lot of kind of abandoned small Southern town photography? Yeah, that started coming after because I wouldn't, my, my year at Georgia State made a lot of friends in Atlanta. So I started regularly going up from Brunswick to Atlanta and doing that multiple times in a month mm. and just being on the road so many times I just started like drifting left and right and just kind of exploring all the other places around the south yeah because it's a boring drive if you go straight if you just do 16 and 95 straight there is so boring so you like to meander and go on the small roads I do and then you just kind of pull over you see something cool yeah I it's I it's definitely two different types of driving there's driving when I have to get somewhere and then driving for taking photos because yeah it'll it takes a long time to get somewhere if you're stopping all the time. So you maybe, I, I would imagine you are seeing a lot of houses with quirky mailboxes. Yeah. In this route. And a lot of a lot of folk art too, which I really got connected to just traveling around Georgia and Alabama because yeah. there's a really rich history of outsider artists and using the materials you have and reclaiming stuff and making it into art and it it always made me happy to see because it didn't 
really feel like there was an agenda behind it. It was just to making art and bringing joy. Have you been to Howard Finster's Paradise Garden? Yeah, that's yeah. one of my favorite places. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty wild. So I looked on, on your website, you kind of have a list of the different equipment that you use. Um, and it's So it's analog photography and it's things like digital cameras and 35 millimeter camera and then also 1980s slide projectors. Yeah. How do you um, how do you get your hands on these things? I, I'm going to estate sales and I'm thrifting all the time. Mm. Um, I've always been at thrift stores as long as I can remember. So it's kind of digging through all this ephemera and all this stuff from people and estate sales especially because you kind of just step into someone's life and it's kind of on full presentation for you. Yeah. Is, does an estate sale, so I would imagine like when you're going out into the countryside that it's kind of a lot of like yard sales and junk sales and thrift stores and stuff, but an estate sale I always think of as being like a very urban thing, like it's sort of a wealthy person's house. Is that right? Or am I imagining that? Oh no, they're, they're everywhere. Okay. So it's, that's a cool thing too, because you really do get to see all walks of life. Like I've, I was just at one in the middle of downtown um, just this past weekend which was in an old Victorian home and yeah. full of really cool antiques. But I've also been to some that are way out in the countryside that, like, they have their own land and big barn. And, like, oh yeah, I got to see, like, all the kind of the country living, too. So it's basically just it's some relative who's just, like, opened up the house and everybody kind of walks through and picks yeah. things. And sometimes there's, I mean, there's plenty of companies who also will do it for you if you don't want to manage it on your own. Yeah. It's a lot of work. Are you always, so you're, are you kind of always going to these sales looking for things or are you looking for things to make art with or you keep looking for new cameras? Um, I, I've stopped buying cameras for the time being. I feel like I've, there was a lot of buying and selling until I found the right camera for me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of my practice. I find material and objects that I can work into my photography or work into an installation. So I'm always looking. Are the, do you mean that like you find objects and then you're taking the photo of that or like the finished object is a photo combined with objects? Both. Okay. <laughs> um, can you describe, what's the 35 millimeter camera? Can you kind of describe that for us? Um, yeah, so I, I shoot on a couple 35 millimeter cameras <laughs> there. Um, analog film, which is a photosensitive emulsion on kind of like a piece of plastic. And when you take a photograph, the camera opens up to light and projects an image from what's in front of it onto the film. And then the film captures it and then you get to develop it into a real photo. Where are you getting things developed nowadays? Uh, I send my stuff off to Photo Life in Brooklyn, New York. Okay. I I want to start developing at home, but that's a it's a whole other uh, thing that I got to get going. Is it is it pretty easy? I mean, once you if you just have the room like a windowless room, is it pretty easy to be buying the chemicals and things online? Or are people still like oh yeah producing that stuff easily? You can you can still get it local too. Like yeah. I know that. Um, Starlandia has some, and oh, cool. I, it was, developing was daunting to me until I was with um, Monica and Adam from the uh, Nomadic Photo Art. Yeah, yeah. And 
I was able to go into their dark room and they were able to um, show me the process. Oh, that's great. So that was as recently as you actually saw, like, photo being developed? Yeah, that, that was the first time I um, was a part of it. That's amazing. Did you get to see their camera being used at all? Yeah, and they, they taught me how to use um, the 4x5 that I have. So I want to start working that into my process, too. That's very cool. I love that. I kind of like the idea you guys can almost do a mashup because you're sort of taking photos of places and they're taking photos of people. Yeah. I like that could be a really good collaboration between you guys in a show. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, and then the, so the 1980s slide projectors, that's intriguing too. How, how easy is it to get a slide projector and to get like new slide film? Um, it used to be easier to get projectors. I used to find them at thrift stores all the time. Yeah. Now they seem to be more either niche or they're harder to find just because maybe there's less of them but I I use a lot of fine found photos and found slides in my work okay. and Kodak still makes a slide film too they do okay um, when I was in SCAD it was like 4,000 years ago and we did actually when we'd have to present certain things we had to like take slides of our work and present it as like this carousel oh, so cool. like hand over a carousel of like slides of our work so I guess that was in the mid 2000s late 2000s that was still going on oh, wow. yeah do you go to bay camera ever i do like do they do they kind of like fix cameras or they develop oh, what they, are they, they do doing? everything okay um they they're a great place they they're really good for buying film and for buying yeah. cameras and they have a whole lab so they also develop they do i'm just pretty particular with how i want my stuff yeah it's really a, a one-stop shop um they've got the old uh Dropbox out front where you can just oh, yeah. drop That's your cute. film and come back and pick it up in that little paper envelope yeah yeah I remember all that <laughs> and one of your I did want to ask in one of your photos the description was called lamography what is that is that the type of camera oh, that's a type of film okay um lamography is a big camera company and they also have a, a selection of film stocks they make as well as films for older cameras that aren't used anymore is that a particular look to that kind of film that people would choose to use it i think so it's definitely a i started using it just because it was a cheaper film but mm -hmm. i really liked the look of it because it was very it felt true to life to me very like straight on with bold colors and i'm majorly shoot in daylight so it i liked the look and i stuck with it are there, there certain films that people would choose if they were doing nighttime versus daytime yeah yeah i mean there's there's so many different films out there to try that i'll give you a kind of a different look so it's fun to try new stuff and experiment and every once in a while a new film comes onto the market so that's always exciting. oh really still not as much but that's interesting sometimes. i didn't know that that would be happening at all yeah it i'm hoping it keeps happening more and it seems like people have got into film again. Yeah. There's been a big resurgence. Are you um are, are you able to repair cameras at all? Are you like a tinkerer? Yeah, yeah. I probably know more than the layman. You probably do. I'm sure you do. <laughs> um, great. Well, this is Nathaniel Thompson, local photographer and mixed media artist. Um, and this is a good point. We're going to take a little station break and we'll be right back. You are listening to WRUULP, Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM. We are Savannah Soundings, community radio with a global soul. 
Trees are one of Chatham County's most treasured natural resources. Beyond their beauty and cultural significance, the impact of trees are far-reaching and compounding, spanning from economic benefits to health improvements to climate change resilience. Trees are woven into every aspect of our lives. Savannah Tree Foundation protects and grows Chatham County's urban forest through tree planting, community engagement, and advocacy. More information is available at savannatree.org. This portion of WRUU's programming is brought to you by listeners and by Brighter Day Natural Foods. Brighter Day Natural Foods has been serving Savannah's healthy food and supplement needs since 1978. It is located at the corner of Bull Street and Park Avenue. They have online ordering and curbside delivery available. And now a walk-up window for smoothies, juices, and sandwiches from the deli. They are open from 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. Monday through Saturday and 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. on Sunday. More information can be found at brighterdayfoods.com. What does it mean when we say that WRUU is a community radio station? It doesn't just mean that we invite the community to create programming. And it doesn't just mean that we're a voice for the community. It also means that we're counting on the community to keep us going. And you are the community. Almost all of our modest budget comes from small annual or monthly donations from listeners like you. You get to enjoy our community-focused programming because many others have stepped forward to do their part. Now do your part by joining our community of listener donors. Go to WRUU.org right now and make a one-time or monthly donation. And thank you for supporting Savannah's community radio station, 107.5 FM. Hey, welcome back to Arts on the Air. This is Tamara Garvey, and I'm sitting with local photographer Nathaniel Thompson. Hello. Welcome back. Um, so I wanted to start out, we touched a little bit about the actual concepts of your work and how you really, you took this long, months-long road trip around the eastern U.S., and you've developed into where you're doing lots of nostalgic photos of kind of small-town Americana and the South in particular and kind of the quirkiness of it and your interest in folk art and outsider art. Um, can you talk a little bit about, so you said you moved here from Thailand and you lived in Alabama and Georgia, like are these, um, kind of memories that you have as a child of seeing these things of America, or is it more like you kind of like imagining what it might've been like, cause you weren't actually living here at the time? I, I think it was more of a, a rediscovery because I usually felt more like an outsider, um, growing up. So it was interesting to kind of see this place as like, because I always explored, I did a lot of urban exploration and like getting into old abandoned places. So just kind of treating Georgia and the South as this territory that I can look around and discover new things. And specifically with how quickly development is happening now in the South, going to see these things before they're gone because it, I, you can tell it very well in Savannah, but just how quickly things change and morph and turn into something different. And, you know, you blink and it disappears. So I want to, I've been really trying to make it my effort to capture and document all these things. Yeah. Do you think this is going on? I mean, so it sounds like you kind of have experience with the whole Southeast and Georgia in particular, because that's where we live. Do you feel like there's differences amongst the other states, like Mississippi and Alabama. Do you think there's more going on in Georgia lately? 
it might just be because that's where I am. I'm, I'm sure it's happening everywhere. Yeah. But that's another. I won't. I won't know until I go over and take photos of it. I mean, it does seem like like for the last few elections that politically there's a lot of changes going on in Georgia. Like there's more people moving to Georgia from other cities, and so Georgia has more cities in it than the other southern states, and so there's sort of more of a political shifting happening the last few years. Yeah, and then you've also got the the tax breaks for film, which I feel like has done a lot to help the Georgia's economy. Yeah. But then you also have a lot more transplants, and there, there there's definitely a big shift happening. Yeah, so there's maybe more of an ethos in Georgia as opposed to the other states of just, like, the new people coming in maybe don't have as much of a tie to the old quirky, nostalgic buildings and things. Yeah. But I I also know that Georgia has always been going through kind of rebuilding and rebirth. And from just talking to people, I know that there's still um, animosity towards Sherman and what he did, um, burning down Atlanta, Georgia. So it's like Georgia's always kind of been going through tumultuous teardowns and building backups. So it's gonna be interesting to see what happens next that's interesting where where have you been where you get into these conversations with people about that um that's been at historical reenactments i used to participate at uh fort king george doing the colonial reenactments and i when i used to work for a publishing company i used to shoot videos that were for the tourism and the chamber of commerce so i would go to different state parks and make commercials about them and i i visited a lot of historical places where people would just be getting into that that sounds like a really interesting job where was that in brunswick yeah it was on saint simon's it was the company's now called 365 degree total marketing okay and they it's kind of a one-stop shop too for all advertising so i i did that while I was in high school. Wow. So you were really following in your father's footsteps since he was doing mm-hmm. commercial yeah. photography. It was the same company he was working at. I kind of didn't realize that there were like such specific artistic opportunities like that in somewhere small like St. Simon's. Yeah, it's St. Simon's is a small place, but there's there's a still a lot going on. We've even got like a little glass shop, which I find really cool. Yeah. So that was uh, so you were being tasked with doing these films of historical reenactments, and you were driving around and shooting and interviewing people. Yeah, it was for the state park, so it'd be like the videos you'd see at the uh, the rest stops. Um, like a thing that plays in a loop. Yeah. On the background, kind of thing. So that's also where I got my start, just being able to see different parts of Georgia. Yeah, and you were in high school doing that. Yes. So how hard was that for you to go around and just? introduce yourself to stranger to adults and ask them to talk to you about their thoughts about Georgia I I, I was always shy but I, I feel like I've I've always kind of gotten along with adults when I was younger so it wasn't I think that was easier for me than navigating high school yeah and you said even in high school you were kind of always behind the camera yeah it yeah I'm, I'm grateful for that opportunity it really moved me forward and just appreciating Georgia. Yeah. You kind of mentioned that you have always had an affinity for outsider art and you kind of saw yourself as an outsider. Was that just like in high school when 
everybody is do you still feel like that no not not anymore um especially living in savannah now there's such a vibrant artistic community yeah and a really great music scene too so it's it's fun how big and fast this place can be but it also feels like a very small town where yeah you kind of go out for groceries and you are bound to see someone you know i love that too yeah and there's room for quirky people yeah <laughs> high school is rough in that sense <laughs> definitely i think maybe years later when you talk to people everybody thought of themselves as an outsider <laughs> even the <laughs> insider people um i wanted to talk a little bit about so when you're shooting um so you're doing both digital cameras and 35 millimeter cameras, which are film cameras. Are you doing most like any like post-production or editing or something in the finals? Or do you just like shoot something and then the image is there and then that's what it is? I, I try my best to compose the image in camera. So I'm shooting on a 35 millimeter medium format 120 film and I'm now starting to learn of four by five large format film um but i'm not printing anything in the dark room it is all being scanned and processed on a computer mm-hmm. but i don't feel any certain way about editing film photos i feel like we've always all photographers have edited film work so it's not i'm not a stickler it doesn't have to be straight out of the camera yeah i'm gonna the Im- the final image is what matters most. Do you do anything color-wise when you get them back? Not much. Okay. Um, and that that's also why I shoot on film. I feel like the the film is doing a lot of that work for me. Okay. Yeah, I don't know what that, that would be. Like, you get photos back in the mail, and then you'd have to, like, scan them and Photoshop and do tweaks to the colors or something. I mean, that seems weird. Yeah, well, they usually... They send you digital files now, so it's, oh, okay. it's real easy. Interesting. Is there a thing... So there's like a particular look to just old photos and old Polaroids and things where the colors are like, they just weren't super saturated. Is that because over time things have degraded or is it literally just, just that like the film from that era is only capable of a certain level of saturation? It, it's probably from uh, degradation because there's a film that a lot of people miss, which is um, Kodachrome. And it's known as like the truest to life the brightest colors like the most amazing like film for documenting the world okay um i know it as the paul simon song yeah yeah it's it was i think they discontinued it sometime around the early thousands um so if you come across some of those photos it's just kind of otherworldly so that would have been around like since the 60s just in the big yeah era film okay so at the time, there was this one brand that existed that was really, really colorful, but just, I guess, like most people were shooting on kind of, other, I, all of my memories of photos that my family has from that era, it just is like a certain level of washed outness that's really interesting. Yeah, that, that just might be also just like on the paper, hmm. too, and just, because we have access to really great cameras now, they're just in our pockets, but back then, photographers would have really nice cameras, but you'd go and you'd get like a a brownie or like a small camera that wouldn't necessarily produce incredible images. But okay. You you have some film from like re- at the beginning of photography and it's clear and sharp like tin types. Yeah. Um, there's some photos that 
are better than the ones we have today. Huh. Do you ever do anything with pinhole cameras? I've got one. Yeah. Um, I, I went through my pinhole and toy camera phase for a little bit. <laughs> um, no, I don't do it as often anymore. I use a lot of old digital cameras now to supplement that. So oh, like, it is a tiny little camera. Yeah, so like really like early 2000s, like digital stuff, because I, I think that's where we're going to be moving after film. People are going to start looking for an, an older way to document, more nostalgic, and yeah. has a look. But it's also, you're not tied to the cost of processing and developing yeah. film. Okay, so you just handed me a camera that's like the size of a pack of cards. So it's, so your prediction for photography in the near future is like, it's kind of like splitting the difference between the super purity of film photography that then you have to get developed versus just how fast and kind of like not worthless, but you know, each particular photo kind of means nothing of photo. So you're thinking like digital cameras are going to be yeah. what's going to become really popular. People enjoy the tactileness of using something like that. Yeah. And I'm, I'm hoping that also with using these digital cameras that people are going to want to, and I think people have been printing out their photos and viewing them and like photo albums, putting them on your wall. It's, yeah. There's definitely a, a huge difference in viewing something on your phone than actually holding it and manipulating it in your hands. Yeah. Yeah. Having it bigger, having it in your home as like a piece of art. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they're special too. They're, memories and they they need to be cherished yeah and the thing i guess if it's on your phone it's usually just you flipping back through your camera roll just you enjoying things randomly mm -hmm. as opposed to like other people being in your home enjoying it with you but i mean it'll i'm sure it'll change too like i know that to my friends like to make powerpoints and share them in slideshows and it's just there's there's a way that we can gather around photos which i think is really special people are doing powerpoints yeah I didn't even realize it was still a program that people had on their computers. So yeah. what do you mean people are making PowerPoints to like share photos around? Yeah, or, or just like a PowerPoint night, you know, everyone makes their own PowerPoint to show off a fun topic or... Really? Tell me more about that. This is what the kind of parties is like people come equipped with a PowerPoint to share around? Yeah, I don't know how popular this is in like the, you know, not artsy people, but yeah, it... You know, you can have a, a night where everyone brings their own PowerPoint on whatever topic they want to share. Or I'm working on one of my most recent trip to, to Thailand. Uh, I was over there in March, mm -hmm. so I'm working on... It will eventually be a, an actual book, but as a fun way to share my trip, I'm making a PowerPoint that I can invite everyone over and kind oh. of look through all the photos so it's very much like you know i mean you wouldn't remember this but i guess in the 70s and 80s people would go to somebody's house after a vacation and like show their slides right and you don't exactly. have to sit there in the living room and click through and be relegated to it <laughs> yeah yeah so it's just the next step forward that's that. so funny that people are now gone back to that but that you have to prepare it ahead of time everybody comes equipped with a powerpoint like homework mm -hmm. so tell me about your trip to thailand what kind of things did you shoot there so I, for a while, I was bringing my, my DSLR, my, like, the camera I used for work, but I wanted to shoot only film over there. So I brought my 
my Nikon F4, a 35mm camera, a Mamiya 645, which was uh, 120, and then I brought that uh, digital camera. And I hadn't been over there for about seven years, so it was coming back to it and kind of seeing it again and trying to like remember places I had been. Yeah. But it, it was interesting because I only really developed my photographic style in the last four or five years. So having learned and shooting all these buildings in the American South, going over there and shooting buildings and people and places over there, it was really interesting to kind of see how different these places are, but also... Yeah, like the architecture and just the style of living is it's very different. Yeah. It's very cool to see um, how my work translated. Are there things that, so in the last few years that you feel like you've learned formally about composing in your camera that helped you on this trip? Yeah, I, I it's it, it's more of a feeling just because I I'm not I'm self-taught I, I didn't go to a school or I didn't learn from like a, a course it's all mainly feeling and looking at these buildings and yeah I, I don't know if I can really describe it but now for a long time I, I didn't know what I was shooting and I figured it out now yeah um, were you in a city there, or did you were you traveling out in the countryside too? Um, it was mainly in the city. That's where my my family lives in uh, Bangkok. Okay. But we we did travel a little bit outside into the country and uh, towards the ocean. So I got to see a little bit of everything. Did you find that so being out in the rural areas is it the same feeling of here of like things being very old and kind of nostalgic, and then there's over time things being torn down and modernized? Is it the same there? It. It felt different because definitely I I felt a little lost when I was in the city and I was wondering if it was because I was in a different country, but I think it was just because I was in a, a really big metropolitan area because as soon as we went out to the country, I kind of found my pace again and I was seeing the same structures and signs and like the same compositional elements. Yeah. But in the city, rather than stuff getting torn down and rebuilt, there was a lot more layering. So when, I guess, around here I've seen something get old and eventually gets torn down and replaced with something new. But there, you would just start building on top of the old stuff. So you could start looking at these buildings and you could really like read into the past of what it used to be and how it changed and it just keeps layering forward they make the buildings taller and wider or in in like using different materials too like there's a lot more hodgepodginess like just kind of also utilizing what you have and it it starts to get more dense and more compact like you'll see too the the power lines there are really crazy because when you run a new one, you just run it over the old one. Mm-hmm. So you've got 
power lines that are just big birds nests of just wires oh i have seen that i wondered why yeah it's just easier to run a new line than figure out where the old one used to be (laughs) um so i wanted to talk about um just professionally i you you have kind of three things that are either recent or current things that i wanted to talk about so first of all you had a show in brunswick that was from march 4th through april 9th and it was in a place called the Soglo Gallery. Is that right? That's right. Um, the Soglo Gallery is run by Linda Gallagher. She has an, half of it's an art gallery. The other half is a theater where she does local performing arts and oh, how plays. Cool. Yeah, it's a it's a really wonderful space. And Linda gave me the opportunity to have my first solo exhibition there. How did that come about? Did you reach out to her, or she found you? Uh, we had been friends and worked together um, for a couple of years, and we had just recently helped put on a show for my uh, late friend uh, Raymond Dumas. And during putting his exhibition together, we uh, she offered that I could do one uh, too. How did it go to get your things together to physically hang up all your art? It it was wonderful. It was it's been one of the most gratifying experiences I've I've had, just because for a long time I would take photos and kind of squirrel them away and just keep them to myself, which is the opposite of what I try to preach. Mm. So being able to lay out the photos and get them framed and eventually make a book to go with the show, it was. It was amazing, and now I just can't wait to do it again. How many pieces did you have? Ooh, um, framed works, I think I had over 35. Wow. And then there was also three slideshows, one on a TV, one on a CRTV, one on an iMac, and then I did a Stephen Shore-esque exhibit with, I think, like 40 four by fives on the wall must be a big space oh it's huge that's cool wow how did you um how did it go for you choosing the way to frame them and display them did you enjoy that yeah it was fun i because i the way that i shoot is i develop i I shoot my film that i put in a box and then i wait like a year or two and then kind of send it all off at once Mm. so i got to develop all the film that i had shot in the last two years right before the show wow and then i got to see it all and then i just printed everything on four by sixes and then i got to just kind of move things around and physically touch and look at each photo it's a long time to live in mystery of the things you've shot that it piled up for two years yeah you didn't get to see them it's i'm it's time to send off another bunch yeah i want to try to start developing more regularly but I guess it's easier just kind of put in the back of my mind (laughs) and you touch on so you had a book from the show right that's right how did you get this book published um I self-published it I used blurb and I'm really happy with it but I'm now I'm looking for other options to make books because I I really enjoy the work of Ed Ruscha because he really developed 
art books and making a book into a piece of art. Mm-hmm. So I, I love I love the book that I made, but I also want to make smaller and pieces that people can also take and enjoy and like a handmade yeah, kind of book. Definitely. Yeah, this book is beautiful and it's called Planet Georgia and the photo on the front is of our globe in Savannah that is it from the the seventies maybe the eighties that globe on Duran that people love that recently got saved and yeah. everybody's excited about. I if I'm correct it's from the forties. Oh it is okay. And it was a um, a gas tank because it used to be painted like a geography map so like all the states would be different colors and there'd be like all the grid lines okay and then it got repainted once after and then it was just repainted again after uh parkers bought it yeah i know everybody locally was really excited that it was saved people are really nostalgic for it yeah, I, I was worried for a minute, so I'm glad we still have it. Well, I love that that's the cover, and then the title, Planet Georgia, is a really good play on that. Um, and then, so your other, the, the kind of the third thing, other than this show in Brunswick, and then this book that you have, um, you currently have some work up at Cafe M on Bay Street, and that will be up through June 21st. People have a lot of time to go see it. Um, and I went by to see it. It looks very cool. And you also, you do have an iMac in the corner kind of showing photos on it. What is the significance of you doing these sort of, like, extra technology? Yeah, so I, with with my first exhibition reunion, I had a couple installation pieces, which I feel like bridge the gap between the work on the wall and the viewer, because there's a lot of barriers in the art world for people that they need to overcome to interact with the art. So I wanted to make spaces like a living room and an office where people could step people could enter the space and interact with the photos physically like going through an album or going through a drawer so the iMac is almost like a portal that people can tangibly understand the photo better it's not just a image in a frame on a wall but it's an object it's something that you're used to interacting with Mm. and then i feel like people kind of gravitate towards it so it's a little bit like for people who walk in and are not maybe typical art gallery type people it's like a lower barrier of entry for them to be looking at the art exactly how did you get that show at cafe m uh i got it with uh cleo the gallery um I am represented by Clio. I'm one of their flat file artists. And And what does that mean? It means that I have work, um, a selected amount of work in their flat file, along with a multitude of other local artists. Um, Okay, so people could go there anytime and find your work. Yeah, they're going to be opening a new physical space at the once uh, Rule of Three gallery. Um, so that's very exciting. And can you tell tell people where that is? 915 Montgomery Street off of Montgomery and Bolton. They're opening a another photography exhibition that I'm very excited for. That's great. All right. Well, we'll look forward to there being another gal. That was a cool place for a gallery also. So yeah. I'm excited for that to be reopening. Um, so you got the show at Cafe M through them. That's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Jeanette is incredible and they do so much work for local artists. And I 
yeah, I, I wouldn't have gotten the, the show without her. Okay, awesome. Well, so people have through June 21st to go to that space. And cafe, that Cafe M is really, really good, too. So people should be going to that anyway. Um, oh, yeah, it's a wonderful little uh, French bistro on uh, Founders Walk. Yeah, yeah, and it's really cool. Now there's a, just like in France, there's the bridge with all the little love yeah, locks on Yeah, the locks. Them. Yeah, they sell the locks in there. It's really yeah. sweet. So in your book, Planet Georgia, how can people buy that book if they want it? So right now, uh, the published book, Planet Georgia, is out of print. There will be plans to print it in the future, but I will be selling a handbound limited edition copy called Savannah, Georgia at Cafe M for the month of June. Okay, fantastic. And then you have something coming up you'd like to talk about too? Yeah, I've got another show at the Soglo Gallery in Brunswick, which will be happening the same time I did my first one um, in March. So it'll be March 2024. And it's going to be photos that I took in Thailand and an installation. An installation. Cool. Yeah. You're working on that? Is yeah, it? I'm still working on it. Right. I don't know what it'll be yet, but it'll... There's going to be a couple installation pieces, a lot of photography, and another book will be made for the show. Great. Well, yeah, it sounded like it was a really huge space, so that's exciting to think. I can't wait to see all your photos from Thailand. Do you Do you have any idea of what your name for the show is going to be? No clue. Okay. You seem like you're kind of into puns, so I'm looking forward to seeing <laughs> that. <laughs> okay, well, Nathaniel, this has been lovely talking to you. Is there anything else that you want to leave us with? Any final words about Savannah art scene or anything? Um, I'm just so happy to be part of it. Um, I'm so glad to have been on the show and oh. don't forget to print your photos. <laughs> I love that as a parting, parting words. Everybody enjoy your photos and print them and then maybe gather your friends together and have a PowerPoint and share your photos yeah, have, as well. Have a PowerPoint party. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. This has been Nathaniel Thompson. Hey, doing a little musical interlude now. I'm playing pop song by local synth band Barabaro. I interviewed their front woman, Veronica Garcia Melendez, a few months ago, and this is from their 2020 album, Dance, which you can find online. You can Google them and you can purchase their album online.
Next up on WRUU, That Old Savannah Magic from 4 to 6 p.m. It's a variety show featuring Savannah history, radio theater, interviews, and music. You are listening to WRUULP, Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM. We are Savannah Soundings, community radio with a global soul.